0: That's s j network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows, as well as information and ability to contact publicist Steve Joyner for more information. Just go to the website and check out the family, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Christopher Stolle back for another Breaking the Fourth Wall interview. And this time I'm sitting down with somebody who not only works within the independent wrestling circuit some which makes it feel like home to me uh for people who have seen the show you know i used to be an independent professional wrestler there may be one time that this guy and i work together and we just don't realize it yet (laughs) but until then he's also a podcaster make sure you're checking out his podcast we're going to learn a lot more about it right here and now ladies and gentlemen mr john orlando john how you doing i am doing well
1: chris first off thank you very much for having me on the show I really appreciate it, um, and I'll, I'll be honest, I'm going to tell the folks that are listening at home or watching at home, um, I didn't know you had a background in pro wrestling, <laughs> and that's why we started talking off air, and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, it, it, and it's very, very weird, because there is a six degrees of separation, just like that Kevin Bacon game sometime, I bet, I, I guarantee you and I know one or two people, because we've worked shows with them or whatnot. Oh, yeah. I guarantee if we sat down here for a couple of hours, we, we'd come up with at least
0: two. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, if I sit here right now, I can probably name one federation, and if this federation doesn't connect it up, obviously we'll have to dig deeper. But nine times out of ten, that ten degrees of separation comes to one federation that I have worked for. It's not too far away from you. It wasn't too far away from me in Colorado. It's kind of in the middle uh, out of uh, out of eastern Kansas. The legendary BBOW and Dan Casado.
1: Ebow, And Wicked um, wrestling. That rings a bell. I, who, who who was some of the roster out there? If I could ask do
0: you, do you oh my god, I don't remember most of them. It was the sheriff Dan Quesada. It was uh, uh oh my god, the the missing link. Uh, I know the RMCW guys like myself that went out there. So there was the East Coast kid Matt Wild, and there was uh, uh, Paul Diamond, and there was a uh, Lightning Blind Mike. <laughs> or at the time he was twenty-twenty, Mister Twenty-Twenty Blind Mike. He he was pulling the heel gimmick. So uh, uh, Wolfgang Von Dusen, there's a couple of them over there. I, it's been so long, I don't remember all the, the names. But uh, yeah, you know that okay. that that's legendary independent circuit right there. So <laughs> that is
1: that is, yeah. um, so, man. But it's a small world. Like the, I, I'll talk to some people. Uh, as a matter of fact, on my own podcast, which we'll, we'll get into here in a minute, I had uh, an independent pro wrestler on, Trisha Dora, and okay. uh, she's making waves. She, she just was mentioned in the PWI 500, I believe, a couple weeks ago. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, and so uh, we were talking, and off air, I just mentioned, so you're down in Baltimore. Do you happen to know this person? She goes, oh, my God, yeah. She goes, how do you know him? I'm like, well, he came up to Ohio. He worked the show in January with me, and... You know, one of the most sincere guys, and we start talking, and it's it's always like that. It's always like that. You'll find mm-hmm. someone, man, that you have interacted with uh, no matter, you know, in your instance, you were in Colorado, I'm in Ohio, or Philadelphia in Ohio. I guarantee if we sat here for a while, we'd come up with an, a list of, of names.
0: I mean, I'm sure you know this as well, but the weirdest part is when you get the big name stars, whether they were former, uh, you know, big big leaguers or current big leaders leaguers, when they get know, to know who the hell you are, you know, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking back years and years and years ago, you know, uh, I was I was still very wet behind the ears, as it were, in the business. And I get recognition from people like, you know, the late uh, Superfly Jimmy Snooky. he knew who Matt Wilde was. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. How do you know who I am? You know? <laughs> Ain't nobody to you. You know, I've gotten drunk with uh, Wayne Ferris, aka honky Tonk, man. I've gotten high with Rob Van Dam. You know, it's it's just it's it's a weird mesh world where even though you're you're the you know, a lot of people in the outside world would consider it the Bush leagues when it comes to the independent circuit, you know, they look at you as like you're 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 not a star, but yet then they get shocked when a star is in town, comes up and shakes your hand like, Hey brother, how you been? How's the family? You know, what, I mean? yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, it's my favorite story because nothing bad happened, but I have a Hacksaw Jim Duggan story.
0: Love to hear because I've never met him and I would love to have.
1: Okay. This is the night that I like to call uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan damn near killed me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I was uh, – not only was I the ring announcer for Ohio Championship Wrestling based here in Ohio, uh, it's out in the eastern part of the state, um, it's a, it was based in a, a city called Kashocton. Um And now if people Google Ohio Championship Wrestling. You'll find it now. It has moved to Akron because uh, the promoter had sold the business to another promoter and they moved it to Akron. Okay. Um, but at that time, I was helping to book a little bit. And I remember getting a phone call from the promoter, uh, Big Guns Jeff Cannon. And he said, hey, um, we got Hacksaw coming. I need help on trying to get him – out to intermission like out doing maybe an interview and then he could just stay and do uh you know his polaroids and stuff but he goes i don't want to do like an autograph so i said okay man i said well i'll tell you what jeff what do you got what do you got uh who's taking on hacksaw he's like well we got a a new guy we've never used him before he was from west virginia okay name was mr eight by ten michael cruz and um he was just your arrogant, typical heel, but he had a gigantic framed poster oh, of himself, <laughs> and he would bring it out. So I'm like, "Here's what we do." I'm running down some of the other matches at right at the intermission point. I forget to mention Michael Cruz. He comes out, he's mad. Well, hey, blah 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 blah. I'll be like, I, "Dude, I don't know. You weren't on my format." He can get bad. He can get mad. Grab me by the lapels, take me to the corner. I oughta. Ho, oh, here comes Hacksaw. Come out. He gets in the ring. Cruz leaves. You know, he could do a quick low. I'll see you later tonight. Tough guy. But, oh, you know, so what do you think? So Jeff goes, I'll pitch it to Jim and see what he says. Okay. So calls me back maybe the next day or so. He goes, it's on. Exactly how you pitched it. Great idea. Okay, cool. Thank you. All right. So we get to the venue. It was probably a week or two later. Um, Jeff goes, picks him up in the hotel, comes back. We all have a little meeting. How you doing? I'm John. You know, we we exchange pleasantries. So, comes time for the, the, the segment. So, right. I'm in the ring, and <laughs> I'm doing the spiel. Here comes Michael Cruz out. He's got the framed photo, slides in the ring, and he's like, how dare you? Takes me to the back. And right on cue, ho. Oh. And so, as he gets halfway down the aisle, Duggan throws the two-by-four. Oh, towards no. the ring. Yeah, Chris. So, I'm like – Oh shit. And you know, Cruz bails and the two by four bounces. He gets in and he says, Hey, tough guy, grab that pitcher. I don't pay attention. I don't even think I just do it. And I, he goes, hold it right there. Tough guy. And I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like, Oh shit. He's going to hit it with the, (laughs) and it's heavy. So I know there's glass in it. It's not a plastic frame. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit. And he rears back. And the only thing I could do is just do this. And I don't know if this is going to come across well in his pockets, but I just, like, turned. Right. Turned away from it so it wouldn't get me in the face. He hits it. It shatters everywhere. Oh. All, all over the one side of the ring where there's fans. <laughs> and and it's like the needle on the record. Like, you like, <laughs> and uh, and he has to get on the mic and apologize for it. The other thing he doesn't know is we had Shark Boy on the show. His kids were there. He was oh. not very happy about it either. Oh jeez, <laughs> so it was a mess, and uh, I got in the back, and he's back there, ranting, raving. Hey, who brings glass to the ring? I'm like, why didn't you ask if it was glass? It was the only thing you could think of <laughs> but dude it it was it was. It was crazy. I mean, (laughs) that's my Hacksaw Jim Duggan
0: story. I have two stories that kind of came to mind when you were talking about that. One that was actually directly involving me and another one where I just watched the superstar do what he did. Uh, It was at a show that I was at, but I was, uh, you know, at the time I wasn't active in wrestling. I was still training. So I was still Greenhorn and uh, we were able to get uh, George the animal steel on the show. Okay. And uh, you know, George's uh, steel deal where he'll, he, he'll eat a, a turnbuckle and all that. Mm-hmm. So uh, we gimmicked one up for him because Izzy Avalis, the owner of G, uh, Grand Wrestling Alliance, had just bought all brand new turnbuckle pads. So we had the new ones on the ring, but we had one in the ring that was older. It was gimmicked for him to rip open and eat the stuffing out of and do, do what he does. I had to take him out. I myself had to take him out to the ring, show him which one it was and in which corner. So he knew which one was the right one to be able to, to, to tear apart. He was fine with it and everything else. Everything was great. Show's going on. He's taking on, I believe it was Jim Proper, uh, uh, one of the GWA's top guys. And, of course, he's, he's going to false corners. Eat, eat, eat. And crowd's going nuts. And then, like, Jim would cut him off and, you know, everything would be fine. Well, finally, he gets Jim on the ground. He turns around. He's screaming, eat, eat, eat. And he goes to a corner. And I realize, oh, my God, that's the wrong corner. So, here I am doing security. Right. Walking around doing security. And I see him go to the wrong corner and I see him setting up and I know the skit. I know the spot. And I'm like, oh, shit, he's in the wrong corner. I'm sitting there in the back. like, No, the other one. The other one. George rips open a four hundred dollar turnbuckle pad and tears into it. I look over to the promoter as he And I've never seen a Puerto Rican turn whiter. Like, he was mad. (laughs) The other incident that kind of reminds me of the broken glass scenario was uh, actually kind of funny. I was a heel at the time, and it wasn't too long that that I was in Rocky Mountain Championship Wrestling. And I was going through a feud against Lightning Blind Mike, which for people who don't know, Lightning Blind Mike is legitimately blind. He's not, it's not a gimmick. He only has 20% of peripheral vision. He can only see shadows out of the corner of his eyes. Yet he's still an active wrestler, and he's a real good one too. Um, I loved my feud especially when I was the bad guy and I was allowed to pick on his 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 you know his uh, his disability. Um, I, I pulled the John Cena stuff like you can't see me and all that, you know, um, silly shit. And uh, it was a particular match we had a referee in there who winds up becoming my best friend. I met him for the first time this match, and uh, I'm beating the hell out of Mike. And I had a manager at the time. Uh, a girl that was supposed to slide in a turn a steel chair for me to lay in the blind mic, right? That the referee doesn't see. So the setup is, you know, I I piss off the referee a little too much. He backs me in a corner to, 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 you know, tell me off and all that. And she slides the the thing into the, uh, into the ring and I'm able to bend down real quick, grab it before he turns around. Like I kind of shove him a little bit out of my way lay out Mike get the chair out before he turns around and realize what happens so we get to that spot he's got me in the back in the corner and says you know blah 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 you're you're I'll disqualify you you do this that or the other again she slides in the chair she slid it too far Jerry the referee steps on the goddamn chair (laughs) (laughs) that's the worst so there's no way I can hide the fact that the chair's in the ring and he's like, What are you gonna do? And I just looked at because he knew the spot and he's like, I just stepped on the chair, what are you gonna do? I looked at him, and he said, that this became our friendship right here. He said, He said, because I looked him square in the eye and I said, I'm sorry. And I just grabbed him by the back of the head, slammed him, and then his arm buckled had to be able to pull the spot. Off. <laughs> and I was so frustrated that I when I threw the chair, you know, the chair shot, I wrapped it around blind Mike's head and the chair literally cut a gash into the back of his head that he was gushing blood, you know, from, from the hit, you know. And uh, I felt so terrible about that night because, I mean, I'm sitting there cleaning up blind Mike in the back locker room, you know, seeing the chair is folded like this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> cleaning up the back of his head while Jerry's laughing. I can't believe he just shoved me into the court, uh, turnbuckle like that. What do you want me to do? <laughs> I get Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. There, there's there, We could do a show just sitting here talking about wrestling. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Without there's a so doubt. many stories. There's, there's so many wonderful stories. But I want to know, is this something you do on your podcast? Tell me about your podcast. Let, yeah, let most Cannon definitely.
1: Well, believe it or not, my podcast called The PVD Cast came out of my wrestling career. Okay. Um, after a few years, uh, as I mentioned, Big Guns Jeff Cannon, the owner of OCW, uh, at took kind of started taking back the book, so to speak, which was right. fine. I had no problem with that. I mean, you only have X amount of ideas and then you know you're running out of them. So I had no problem saying, Hey, man, I understand you want to do it, cool, but I needed an outlet because booking for me was a creative outlet, right? And watching people go, Oh, get excited about a match that you helped put together to me just brought so much joy, right? And at this time, it's the time where colt cabana's starting to get big and all of these other podcasts and i said you know what i'm gonna start my own and so um december twelfth, 2012 i started the pvd cast uh which what it stand name, for i was gonna say the name the name is a little play on words um P- pvd is the airport code for providence rhode island okay and and um so I took that as a kind of a, a play on podcast, PVD cast. Um, and the other thing is, Chris, when I was breaking into wrestling, um, my very first company I worked for, the promoter gave me a list, you know, for the website here, name, height, weight, where you're from, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. And I remember sitting there and I'm, I'm looking at the website and there's like four guys from Columbus, Ohio. And I'm like, I don't want to be the fifth guy. And I'm like, hmm. and my mother has actually lived in providence rhode island to shoot for 26 years now 27 years so i know the city pretty well so i'm like you know what i'm gonna put that down so providence rhode island became my unofficial hometown and so i felt like that was a cool way it's a unique name it's a way to kind of link together all my history in wrestling with um with what i'm passionate about And um, actually, my logo was designed by a very good friend who uh, wrestled for years. Uh, Juice Jennings, I'm going to give him a plug. He's now down in Florida. He moved down to Florida to wrestle down there. And um, he's the one that came up with the design. I pitched some ideas at him, and he whipped it up uh, because he's got a background in graphic design. And I loved it, and it's been that way for uh, (laughs) the get-go. There you go. That's nice. Yeah, and I, I felt like with, with my podcast, I had the ability to uh, pull in guys from the wrestling world to talk. Um, I'm also a huge comic book nerd, as evident right. by Deadpool behind me.
0: Never would have noticed.
1: <laughs> um, and so I have a lot of connections to the like the independent uh, comic book scene here in Columbus, Ohio, which we, we do have a, a pretty vibrant underground comic scene. Okay. Um, or independent comic scene. And so I knew and had friends in that. So it was real easy to pull from those two uh genres, so to speak. And then, you know, I just added in some others. I'm a big movie nerd and I love hockey. And so it just kind of came together. And you know, I'm sure you you'll share the same experience. You know, it takes a while to get in the rhythm, it takes the while to get the show the where the way you want it, how you want it. And even then sometimes you gotta evolve and no. And, no. Yeah. Yeah, man. Those those first nine or ten episodes are brutal. I <laughs>
0: I always tell people when they start listening to breaking the fourth wall. I always tell them, uh, start at like episode sixty six. Uh, I wouldn't go beyond that. <laughs> we were still finding identity back then, so sixty five on back, forget they exist. Sixty six on up, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and you know i i don't know about you
1: but i didn't know how to do this so i still don't know <laughs> i say that too sometimes <laughs> but but i i didn't i i literally YouTube'd a lot of stuff i did take one class for like one friday night at the local community college and it was super basic like i'm i mean like here is pod bean. This is what you, and I, it was super basic. And I'm like, Oh, okay. At least I have an idea of what we're doing, but it was a lot of trial and error, a lot of trial and error. But See, I,
0: I get that because when I, when I got introduced to the podcasting community myself and I decided to do breaking the fourth wall, I discovered podcasts on YouTube. So I was late to the game to discover the audio version of, of podcasting. I thought everything was YouTube. Oh. So when I first started, I was making videos or audio with, with just the logo background or something on YouTube up until I discovered anchor.fm. And I'm like, wait, I can do an audio version. Nice. Let's do that. You know, yeah. <laughs> so I just and, to ask backwards.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm also going to say that podcasting has been great for me personally because I've met so many, so many cool people made so many great friends through it because you know, you, you, people come on, they share their story Mm -hmm. and you get to know them. I mean, while you're sitting down and talking to them for a half hour, 45 minutes or or however long, and you learn about what they're, they're passionate about. Um, You know, a a case in point, I, um, this was probably four years ago, five years ago. I got a random tweet um, from an individual that wanted to come on the PVD cast. I'm like, Hmm, he's a comic book creator. And so I, I checked out his stuff and I was like, yeah, man. You know, so I emailed him back I said, love to have you on. And, um, he came on and talked about his book and the Kickstarter and everything. And we've become friends. He now, every time he's got a Kickstarter, Hey man, you know, um, um, can I come on? Sure, man. And we just became friends and and that's one of the beauties of it. And that's just one example of many.
0: Oh, yeah. um, but it's not just yeah. the, it's not just the, uh, and you'll agree with this. It's not. It's not just the celebrities, but it's also the podcasters themselves. Like you wind up in so many different collaborations and so many uh, cross promotions that sometimes it just blares the line of whose show is who. You know. Yeah. Um, case in point, it's the, the weekly show that breaking the fourth wall has, has started. We're three episodes in. Two of the five panelists, myself included, uh, two of the five panelists are from individual other shows that just wanted to collaborate with me and it became their show as well. And that would be Don Smith of the life radio and uh, Chris Rudder of what's your and binge. You know, they have their own individual things, but they join me every week for breaking the fourth wall just because we built that relationship. You know, yeah. and I think, I think mm-hmm. that's the great part. It's just the connection between us, the podcasters. And then, you know, if, if the, if the relationships with podcasters is the cake, then making friends with people like Scotty Schwartz or, or Jack O'Halloran is the icing. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes. Yes. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, you know, and, and, you know, same here. I've been collaborating, especially, especially, I'll be very frank with COVID and with the coronavirus of these last six months. Um, I, I used to play in rec league hockey on Sunday mornings. I'm not doing that because I don't feel it's safe. And even though just in the last couple of weeks, they started back up. I'm like, I don't know yet. I'm still going to, still going to wait a little bit. Right. Um, and so the three geeks podcast, I know them, they're here in Columbus. Those guys were like, why don't you just sit in with us on Sunday mornings? I'm like, cool. And we started collaborating as well. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll talk about one of my new projects I've been working on. It's, it's myself and it's Jason Taylor from the three geeks podcast, uh, doing our own, um, Matlock themed podcast. That's right.
0: You Matt heard Locke. me say Matlock themed podcast. Yes, very nice. I, I've got to hear about this now. Why <laughs> Matlock? <laughs> Since I've got the exclusive, I'm gonna dig. I'm gonna. I'm gonna dig this one deep. Okay, Why Matt you, What's going um, on? Okay. Um. <laughs> for,
1: first of all, both of us like are not the target demographic for Matlock. I'll just throw that out there.
0: All right, I'm, um, I'm I'm not. I'm not lying here because the only the last person I remember even talking about Matlock was my grandmother, and she died in the '90s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, Jason will tell you that he finally
1: remembered going to his grandparents' house after school, and it was on. So okay. it kind of became his thing. Uh, for me, uh, I remember it being on as a kid, but as I was an adult, it. Um, so my brother did not have cable like he had cable he would be one of those guys that would hey if it's if you give me a deal i'll keep it if not i'll drop for a while and then pick it back up later right And so yeah i would go i would go back to visit and you know me tv has matlock on you know over the air broadcast station me tv and i started watching it and i'm like you know what this is just a great show (laughs) i mean it's it's got its hokey points to it but it's got just there's something about Just Andy Griffith first of all let's just be honest I mean he's great in the Andy Griffith show he's he's done a lot of different movies and he's always really good in those movies right so a fantastic actor but I just kind of rediscovered it and so in uh I think it was in April maybe March I think it was April we were joking one time Jason and I and he was like dude we should do a Matlock podcast I'm like done He's like, are you sh- – wait a minute. Wait a minute. That was too easy, John. I'm like, no, done. We should do it. Let's do it. He's like, ah, okay. I was like, look, the only the only rule I'm going to say is I don't want to dump a bunch of money into it, though. So, let's just – let's keep it on the cheap because I don't know. I don't know how well received this is going to go. So you, let's
0: know just- you know what? There may be a niche out there for that. You never know. Chris, we I mean, found the niche. Because there there are – there are – some obscure i've seen podcasting for like crocheting and they're doing great numbers you know what i mean so i mean there's something out there for everybody
1: yeah. uh, we found uh two matlock like facebook groups and we started advertising in there it's done well it's not done like it's not off the charts a success right. but it wasn't i'm th- i'm being honest i was thinking well, if we get like 30 or 40 listeners okay P- point will be point will be taken but i mean we've tripled that on on some episodes i'm like okay okay um so basically what we've decided to do is that we uh we both got our own versions our own copies if you will of season one on dvd and we're just watching each episode and then critiquing it and talking about what we liked and what we didn't like and you know some of the ha -ha of you know Shows in the 80s with some of their stereotypes and stuff like that. We have a good time with it. We drop episodes the second and fourth Monday of every month. And uh, we do that on Anchor, anchor anchor.fm slash Matt Talk, M-A-T-T-A-L-K. And you can also join us over on the Facebook page. It's at Matt Talk Podcast. Um, And you can see all of the episodes and what we got going on. We just started taking some of the older ones and dropping them onto YouTube as well um, with a little bit of just a static background. But uh, for folks that want to check it out, there's a couple different – just search for Matt Talk Podcast in YouTube and you should find it. Uh, There's only one episode up right now, but uh, we got uh, six out there on Anchor and we're going to keep on plugging along because, as I said, it's been a pleasant surprise. Well,
0: I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a little uh, suggestion here. I'm gonna pitch you, pitch you to go on. Uh, uh, What's your and binge with Chris His okay. show, His show is designed to where he, uh, you pick a show topic to talk about your favorite show, and you aren't allowed to tell him what the show is. You just have to. It becomes a game where he's got to guess it from your examples. I'm almost oh. betting he will not get Matlock. So you gotta do okay. it. Okay. <laughs> you know what? When we get off air. Let me give me that contact
1: info. I'll be happy to play that game. Hello. That sounds like fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He will I'm not sure. get that. Like I, sure. I, I, I decided if I ever decide to go on his show as a guest, rather than just you know co him with him or something on on occasions, uh, I I've already decided I'm gonna do Sequest. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, Sequest. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I could think be, of a couple others too. That would be that would be a tough one as well.
0: That would, but I imagine it, it's obscure enough, but it has enough science fiction to it that it could be misconstrued as Andromeda, battle yeah. uh Battlestar Galactica, you know, depending depending on how obscure I am with it. You know? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> who, who yeah, knows? That's,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. But uh but yeah, so I mean that that's our that's the second project that we've started. Um the PvD cast has, as I mentioned, been going on for seven years. Um, you know, just uh recently I just dropped uh uh two friends that come on and we talk about the big WWE pay-per-view. So we just released our review of SummerSlam and NXT 30. Um and so that just dropped this week. And I uh, got some other cool guests lined up. One I'm really looking forward to, I, I, I think I can, I don't think I'm going to jinx myself by talking about it, but Bruce Valanche is going to be joining me Very next cool. week. And um, I'm looking forward to talking to him because I, I, I need to know, I need to know all about the Star Wars holiday special because <laughs> there is see, so much. You've seen it.
0: That. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, oh, I'm a Star Wars fan. Of course, I've seen it. <laughs> I still have it on my computer. You know, I've got I've got that infamous uh, doesn't exist copy copy, you know, with with the original Boba Fett cartoon on it. I I had a buddy that bought a VHS copy <laughs> uh,
1: through on eBay, and the best part about it was that it literally was just a tape from some Baltimore CBS station. so not only did you get the the hokiness of the actual star wars show but you got like the hey come on down to jeff daniels chevrolet we got chevettes we can put you
0: in you know the the period classic commercials nice
1: (laughs) yeah you know merit cigarettes when you've had a rough day just unwind and take a big long drag
0: you know it's, it's a completely different topic but my grandmother growing up she she had bought this uh cassette case thing uh through the years and it was cassette tapes audio audio tapes you, you remember you remember those kids before cds there was tape you know just that, go with me on this played music and on these were old-time radio programs now when i say old-time radio programs i'm talking like burns and gracie i'm talking abbott and costello i'm talking you know <laughs> the, the classics uh, dean and martin you know um but what was cool about it was those shows, these episodes that are on these tapes, still had the original, like, their sponsors and the commercials for the sponsors. So you, most of them were, like, Camel Cigarettes commercials <laughs> With their T-Zone, T for taste and T for throat. Oh, man. <laughs> Nine oh, out of man. ten doctors recommend Camel.
1: <laughs> oh, man. It's, you know what? But I I love that, too. I mean, obviously we're both big fans of pro wrestling. Um, I, I'm going to ask you who were some of your favorites? Uh, well,
0: Back my I'll tell, you, I'll tell you right now, my gimmick was blatantly uh, ripped off of both uh, the, the cockiness and high fly style of Shawn Michaels with the in-ring generalness of, of Bret Hart. So I, I, without a doubt, I have to say those are two of my all time. Idol okay. uh, gimmicks. But I mean, there were a lot of them, and a lot of them were tag team uh, specialists. I, I love tag teams, but I mean like uh, Flying Brian Pillman, oh, yeah. uh, you know, Chris Jericho, Rob Van Dam, uh, Little Guido. <laughs> you know? Very underrated. Very, Very underrated. underrated. I, I, when I met him, I wasn't in the business yet. I, I was curious about the business. I was like 16 years old. I went to an ECW show. And I met him and he was probably the nicest dude next to Tommy Dreamer. He was probably the nicest dude I met that night Uh, because he was just you know, I asked him like, how do you get into business? He's like, dude, if you got the hard for it, just go for it. You know, and he he was the one that gave like the most positive, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever to it, you know, because I remember asking Dancing Stevie Richards when I met him at a GameStop one time. It's like, you're a fucking idiot. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I was stiff.
1: Jeez. Yeah, it was
0: very stiff. It was kind of ironic. Years later, he worked for GWA, and I was on the show, and he walked by me and he just double looked, and I'm like, "Yeah, I made it." <laughs> 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 but uh, no, Stevie was a cool guy. He was, I guess he was just having a bad day that day, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, God, uh, actually, Stevie would be one that I would I would throw in there. Um, uh, Ray Mysterio Jr. very very much, oh, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero. I know this is an unpopular uh, person to mention, but uh, Chris Benoit before well, insanity.
1: I was gonna say, I, you know what, Chris? I'm I'm in the camp of this that I respect him as a wrestler, not as a person, right? As a human being, I I feel like I can separate the two. And as a performer, fantastic in the ring. As a human being, horrible, absolutely the worst. Right up there with Hitler. Oh, so absolutely. But you I mean, know, so but I know there, I know it's unpopular, but I you're you're that's a okay choice for me.
0: <laughs> and of course I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, to my mind the people that paved the way for all of those types of gimmicks would be, you know, I have to pay tribute to Roddy Roddy Piper and I have to pay tribute to the man, Ric Flair. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not Hogan. Screw him. you know here was
1: here was the and this is honest god's truth as a kid i never much cared for hogan because in my mind like one i noticed even as like as young i started watching when i was like nine years old but even at nine chris i'm like hogan wrestles the same match over and over again there's nothing different like exactly i picked that out and then the other thing i'm like wait a minute. He's supposed to be the good guy. and He just raked that dude's back. That's not cool. Never much cared for him. But, in 1987, my brother and, uh, decides to take me and, uh, and he, my sister-in-law and my two young nephews and me to go see WWE house show. Okay. And the main event, Kamala versus Hulk Hogan for the WWF title
0: recently deceased.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I was like, eh, whatever Hulk Hogan. But I'll tell you right now, when he comes out, I don't care how jaded you are, you you're cheering.
0: Oh. He had it. Oh, absolutely. I, like as far as an in-ring wrestler is concerned, I've never loved Hogan. I've never loved watching his shows or anything else. In fact, during the days that I first broke into enjoying wrestling, I was more interested in you know uh, Rick Martel and and Pito <sighs> Santana. You know, I was more interested in demolition and, uh, you know, I was interested in uh, Big Boss Man and, uh, you know, uh, The Ultimate Warrior. I was a big Warrior fan and the Texas Tornado, Carrie Von Eric. Like, these were the guys I was watching. Hogan and Macho Man were boring to me. But especially years later, as I grew up and understood the business more, and then when I broke into the business, I cannot deny what these, what, Macho Man and Hulk Hogan have done for this business mm-hmm. they're still oh. crap wrestlers but they have they built this business into what it mm-hmm.
1: is yeah you know and then the second time that I saw Hogan live you fast forward to uh, 92 and it's Hogan and Flair at, at the Pittsburgh Civic Arena I'm going now this time now I'm like a junior in high school <laughs> and I'm even more jaded like uh, right. F Hulk Hogan who cares lousy wrestler but again, Chris. But again, I'm whatever. I'm not cheering, and then you hear "I am a real," and you're like, "Well,", well and you can't help but cheer. It's you cannot. Yeah, it's not
0: him. It's he, song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's the song. But it, no, I give credit to Hogan. Like he's a showman, man. He came out, and and as jaded as I was, I still ended up cheering for him. And I'm like, "What am I doing?" But he wasn't a favorite of mine. Like watching him on TV, I'm like, "Eh, he's mm-hmm. okay."
0: That's it, and I, I think I think part of the reason I didn't like Hogan and I didn't like Macho Man wasn't even the in ring work. I never cared for the promos. Oh, okay. The, 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 I think the promos, the stick work, was really what turned me off to those characters. Uh, to me, they just weren't as imaginative as somebody like Teddy Biasi or, or Jake the Snake Roberts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or you know, if you want a good if you want a good promo, just hand the just hand the microphone to Bobby the Brain. He Yep. You know? <laughs> but uh you know, it's just that I, I don't I didn't like their their I didn't like that and I guess kind of even in those days cause when I when I was watching them I was, you know, 10 11 years old whatever um I don't think uh I think even back then I didn't like the the overhypeness of them. I liked the underdog guys that didn't get the shine of hope yeah. okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, I—that's always been in my career help. That's how I played my characters. The reason I was, you know, especially when I was a heel, the way I was, is like you know, it was it was time for me to be in the spotlight. You've had your turn. You know what mm-hmm. I mean, type deal. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I guess I've always kind of looked at it, even even back in the day when I was just a fan. That way, it's like okay, I've had enough of seeing you. Let's give somebody else a turn. <laughs> and you know, you know what? For me,
1: my thing, even as a young kid, like I was tuning in to see excitement and see craziness. So WWF television sometimes was, was lame. Let's just be honest. It was oh, lame. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's why like I gravitated towards world-class wrestling. Cause we got that, you know, and that was crazy. And you know, Crockett was still had some of the job matches, but they still would have some cool main events and cool interview segments and that, but I wanted excitement. And I, I say to this and I, some like, people just don't believe me, but my favorite Growing up was Bruiser Brody.
0: Bruiser Brody, uh, you, you were mentioning the, uh, the world-class days and everything else. I remember when I discovered them, that was, that was in the heydays of, uh, if I remember correctly, that was the heydays of the feud between Ric Flair and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And those were some classic freaking main events. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But my, my favorite was, because to me, Brody was unpredictable. Right. Every time I, I, as a kid, would get a little bit nervous every time he was on the TV because I felt like, and people laugh, but I felt like I'm going to watch someone die on TV because
0: Brody's going to kill this guy. He's going to murder him. Later on, Brody got replaced by somebody named New Jack. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. All right, well, I'm, going to, I'm going to turn this around on you because you, 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 sure. you, you kind of hijacked my show for a second. And, and, I'm sorry. And I'm not, sorry I, about
1: that, Chris. <laughs> I don't mind.
0: I, you, you made my job easier, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to turn your question around on you. And, uh, what were your influences to even want to even be a part of this business, this silly business?
1: Um, I, I just think because I was enamored with the business, um, I knew that I was never going to be a big dude and that I'd pro- I would never in a million years be a wrestler. And I shared off air. I, I went to a camp for a weekend to try it um, way back in 2001. And I, I told the individual that was running the camp. I was like, yeah, I mean, I want to do something in this biz. But right. this isn't it. This isn't for me. And it would be a waste of time and a joke if I continued to try to pursue this. And he had said, well, have you ever thought about doing something like ring announcing or play-by-play work because you have a great voice? And I said, sir, I have. And he told me, he says, well, get in anywhere, any promotion. doesn't matter how big it is, how small it is. You can always move up, get in. Right. And for me, like, as a as – a, if, if we're looking at things in terms of a non-wrestling personnel uh, growing up, uh, I, I loved Jim Ross – I loved hearing Gordon Soley, um, I loved Lance Russell. Like Just those guys really, really made things really real. Um, and Lance Russell even threw in a little comedy. He, there was a little ha-ha at times with him, but I liked that. And, and so um, th- those are probably my inspirations uh, for, for what I did uh, in, uh, here in this business and what I continue to do. So the, I, yeah, those, those would be the three big influences for me.
0: Um, have you, have you thought about uh, with, with your play-by-play? I, I don't know if you go solo, like uh, for sake of argument, like Joey Styles, who by the way, is highly underrated when it comes to play-by-play mm-hmm. announcement. Um, and I don't think ever gets the respect that he truly, truly deserves for what he pulled, not only for ECW, but also through his time with WWE and, and, and stuff like that. But uh I assume you're, you, you pretty much do play by play, like solo, like styles. Have you thought about having a, a permanent team?
1: Actually, no. I, I've predominantly done it with a partner.
0: Okay. And um,
1: look, I, I did one show. Um, in fact, I, it, it, it got done during COVID. And so I did it by myself. And I, I'm not very proud of that work because I <laughs> just feel like, I mean, it's tough. Hats off to Joey Styles. I don't know how he did it all those years because it's tough, it is super tough. On the other hand, also with play by play, you gotta find that right partner. Um, right. You know, I'm, I'm not being disrespectful to some of the other folks that have joined me in the broadcast booth. And I know, hell, one of them will even tell you he's garbage. I mean, he just, he'll just tell you that he's not very good. He just got thrown in there. Right. Um, but you gotta find that chemistry and you gotta be able to click with that person and know, you know, what you want to accomplish. And, um, Ultimately, I'm I can I was brought up that my particular role is to be a very sturdy background player, and I think that that's the thing that some play-by-play announcers don't realize that you are there to highlight the action in the ring. You are not the action in the ring. You know, uh, I'm sure you probably run across that that you know,
0: the actually. It, it, Actually, no. Uh, most most of the guys I've ever had uh, do uh, play-by-play or col- color around my matches. And this is on my match. I can't speak for other matches they color commentated for, but uh, I don't think they ever took away from my match. In fact, I, I think I think they were very much the garnish on the plate with uh, some of the way they would uh, you know, like the, the, the heel commentator would, would blast me and the uh, play-by-play would try to call me and, and you know, like, like a professional, like, oh, you know, use the correct terms for the moves and stuff like that. And then there was a third-party member who was kind of like the uh, – he was kind of like the, the the fan mark mm-hmm. where he liked the good guys and hated the bad guys and, you know, loved the heel, loved the faces, hated the heels. And then, of course, we had the color commentator who was all heel. And I think they mm-hmm. played – because of the fact that they played off each other, like you said, the, the right chemistry, yeah. uh, you know, made it correctly. But I, I think you're right because I think there's a lot of times where a lot of people, uh, when they do – Play-by-play, especially when it comes to ex-workers, workers workers who used to be in the ring and now do color commentary or whatever, they forget that there is a fine line between stick work as your gimmick and trying to steal the shine from not only your your play-by-play announcer, but what's going on in the ring. The people that are there, you know, you're not there to to put the spotlight on you. You're there to be, like I said, be the garnish on the plate for everybody else's work. And yeah. it's probably one of the major reasons why I've never done it. I've never sat down. I've been offered and I've always said no, because I'm always afraid of crossing that line. <laughs> that yeah. Sense. Yeah.
1: And, and the, the bottom line, working with somebody, you just got to have the chemistry, um, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I know some of the guys that I work really well with. And so I'm always excited when it's the opportunity, I get the call, Hey, we're doing a show. Do you mind doing some color play by play? Yeah, is so and so going to be? Yeah, okay, I'm there because I know I know it might take us maybe the first match to get in rhythm, but boom, once we're there, I mean we're clicking right along, and um, it's a lot harder than you think. I, I mean, I think that that's one of the things that some fans think. Ah, you just sit behind the the, the, the table and you just call you call moves. Well,
0: you know? I mean, well the thing is, that's a lot of things that people don't realize is that you know. As much as in this day and age, kayfabe's dead. So we could, we could say as sure. much as people know that the matches are, are pretty much scripted or predetermined, the play-by-play guys, the, 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 the announcer tables, they don't. They, they don't have a script in front of them saying that this move's going to be followed up by this move, by this move, by this move, and this person's going over. They don't know that. So for them, it's the same as you sitting at home watching a match. You don't know what the outcome is. So you're literally calling the moves as they happen, seeing them for the first time. And it's hard to hold all that knowledge. And quite honestly, especially when trying to play a character or gimmick involved, I've got to ask, which is your, which is your more favorite style to, to commentate? Uh, would it be more of the uh, Jerry to King Lawler and, uh, and Vince McMahon, where you got the straight play-by-play and then the, the, the gimmick heel? Or do you more prefer like the the more professional sports where I'm thinking of like Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross? You know what I mean? Where yeah,
1: it, um, it makes sense. I'll be honest. I, I feel I do much better when it's the professionals. Um, you know, uh, I, I'll just throw them out there. Hakimati and Matt Mason is my partner for when I work with um, New Ohio Wrestling. And Matt and I have known each other for years. Matt used to wrestle, phenomenal talent, but. It just had a few injuries, had that injury bug. And then, you know, much like I think you stated, you know, off air, you know, family comes first and that became a, 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 what he wanted to do, but he comes back for, for color commentary. And he and I click really, really well, but it is more along those lines of that more professionalism where I'll tell you what's going on in the ring. And then I will, you know, or we, we get to it now where Matt doesn't have to have me, throw it to him he knows when okay i know what john's gonna say here we go you know so mm-hmm. you know like oh he just hit him with a big arm drag and i'll crank you on that arm boom he knows you know he's got to get the pressure off that elbow otherwise you know we, we're in sync now so right um i feel like i do better with that there have been some times where it's been the vince mcmahon and jerry lawler uh where i i don't know i i would like to get better at doing that because i think that's a totally different skill set
0: oh yeah well, again, I think that's where, where personality comes into a lot of play, where you as the straight man uh, co- commentator have to be able to play off the fact that this guy's being a jerk, but the jerk has to be the right type of jerk. You don't want to be a put-off yes. jerk. You have to be the funny jerk, and I think that, that's why I use Jerry Lawler as an example because I think next to Bobby the Brain Heaton, Jerry Lawler is second to none on skirting that line between being a straight-up mark for his own gimmick and just being a, a straight-up like insult comedian. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, Bobby was the best, hands down. Um, oh, but yeah.
0: Lawler's up there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Most definitely. That that's that, I think that's what you need is you need the right chemistry with the people to know how to play off each other comedy-wise, mm-hmm. you know, to, to really pull that off. And yet still – and that was one of the reasons I liked both Bobby, the Brain Heaton, and, and Jerry Lawler was although they were pulling the heels, the Ham and Eggers or the, um, you know – the idiots out there and, and and all that. They were still launching real knowledge at you know, uh, even though they were playing their characters or their gimmicks, they were still giving wrestling clinics as far as move sets and and like you were saying, like your, like your color commentator knows to do with the arm drag, like get to, to get the pressure off the arm, got to turn in on it. So he's not putting his full weight into it. You know, like, uh, they were still pulling that off with turning around and making jokes like the hardest four years of his life was third grade. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> uh, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, but, um, uh, yeah, like I said, for, for anyone that's, uh, and, and ring announcing, there's there's a technique to it too. And, um, you know, growing up, um, I mean, obviously, the Fink was a favorite, oh, yeah. you know, ring announcer. Um, I always, Gary Michael Capetta, to me, in WCW was always really, really good. Um, so they were, they were kind of role models for me. Um,
0: there's always been a standard for ring announcers, and that standard is Michael Buffer. But I mean, you know, there, there's been some underrated ones, even in the WWE. I, I personally like uh, uh, Lillian Garcia. I think she's got okay. a great announcer voice and, and the way she presents. I, I always get a kick out of like uh, how her voice will kind of break at the end. You know, bread hot. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of almost steps up in the, uh, in the frame a little bit. Yeah, I always got a kick out of that. Um, but, yeah, it to, there's a, there's a skill set to everything. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, like, okay, you've done commentary. Have you ever thought of uh, management? You know,
1: You know, one time. <laughs> I actually have a story about that. One time. Uh, so there was um, an, another company. This was why I was still working for OCW, Ohio Championship Wrestling. There was another company that decided to start here in Columbus. And they were right down the street from my home. And they, the promoter of that company had talked to uh, the promoter of ohio championship wrestling jeff cannon and said hey you're bringing in buff bagwell on a saturday night show could you bring him in could you bring him in could i use him friday if he came in early and we'll split the cost and that was agreed to so i had spoken to uh, jeff and said hey man look this is right down the street from my house and uh me and this other wrestler want to kind of do this i want to be his manager but you know and so jeff goes well I would prefer that you not but if you're gonna do it at least come up with a different character and i'm like i'll come up with a character because i'm not a character honestly i mean right as a ring announcer, as the play-by-play guy you're you're not really a character so i was like no problem i got i got something cooked up not a problem it's gonna be like the poindexter geeky nerdy professor guy not a problem (laughs) yeah so we get to the venue and uh it turns out my my partner got stuck at work Hey, man, I'm going to be a little bit late. I should still be there way before bell time, but I'm not going to be there right away. Like, okay. Right. So I go and talk to the promoter, and I said, hey, man, um, so what are we doing tonight? And he goes, oh, well, Caden and you have the main event against Buff. Oh, <laughs> nice. Chris, I looked at him and go, wait, wait, stop stop with the rib. It's not even funny, okay? Like, seriously, where are we on the show? Uh, John, I'm serious. You, Caden. Uh, you, you got buffed in the main event. No, stop. You, wait, I've never done this before. You're not, this is, this is not, this is not happening. Like I have never managed before. I don't know. I mean, I think I know what I'm doing. I hope I know what I'm doing, but you are not. No, I mean, that's, that's the marquee matchup.
0: Shit. Okay. So. So you're on the phone real quick. Like, where the hell are you at, man?
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause, Cause I was like, Hey, uh, Hey, uh, Caden, um, We got the main event against Buff, and he wouldn't believe me. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll wait till you get here. So he got there, and I'm like, hey, why don't you go talk to the promoter and see who we got? And he, too, he had been wrestling, like, three years, four years. So he was like, I'm nervous. I'm like, you're nervous. At least you've wrestled before. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. (laughs) And you know what, though? Buff was fantastic. He showed up. We introduced ourselves, okay, and I told him, I said, sir, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. First time I've ever done this, I've been, you know, I told him my resume, I've done this, 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 and this, but I've never managed before, and he goes, all right, here's, then we're going to keep it simple. You ready? Yeah. He gave me the finish. I'm like, okay. He goes, can you remember that? I can remember that. Okay. Then every once in a while, he would walk past me in the, in the, in the uh, locker room, and he'd look at me, and I'd rattle off the spot. And he'd be, okay. And uh, it went well. And, uh, unfortunately <laughs> there wasn't many people there to see it. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> tw- I think there was like 25 or 35 people that showed up for this show. Always um, fun. you know, so, um, but yeah, I mean that was my one shot at being a manager and I'm like, okay, I,
0: <laughs> I think I'm good. I had something very similar and it was in PWA and to set set a premise for what, for what you would, uh, to understand how, how this is similar, I'll give you the match before, Uh, Youth Gone Wild was supposed to wrestle against uh, a team known as uh, TV Generation. And uh, they were uh, Frank Cody and Maverick. And during this time, a hurricane had ripped through Philadelphia, the, the, the area around. So TV Generation was coming out acting like they, you know, were helping people through the hurricane, you know, coming out in slickers and rubbers and stuff like that. My tag team partner is injured and uh can't wrestle that show so he's managing us while i have another person fill in to be my tag team partner and of course we job and it was a god it was the drizzling shits match now the reason i told you this was because of the fact i was green as shit we were supposed to job and it, it was just a horrible match the following show we were going up to uh my partner mike thorne and i were going up against the tag team champions of pwa who at the time was the late, great Trent Acid, and the human highlight Billy Reel. Uh, all throughout the show, we knew we were jobbing. And we had been punishment for the, the show beforehand because we were the tristling shits, okay? And uh, we're two years in, in, our, in our career, so we're nobody special. We knew we weren't going over for anything. And it's supposed to be a tag team title match. We were getting a title shot, but we were jobbed. Well, Trent, for whatever reason, no-showed the show. And it pissed off the Booker that three minutes before going out there, the Booker, uh, Hoss Hawkins, comes up to me and to, to Mike Thorne and says, you go over in 20, what's your finish? And Tony and I both looked at each other like, stop fucking around. You win in 20 minutes. What do you? What is your ending? And Tony and I just look at each other like, are you fucking kidding me? we're the tag team champions <laughs> you know? it, it blew our minds like no no we're not no 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 you know and to his credit uh billy billy went out there and found a tag team partner in mr arrogance and uh i mean they pounded the living hell out of us but we we became the champions and we actually retired the championship for pwa because we were the final tag team champions before the uh, company closed but yeah same same deal like we were not prepared for that at all
1: <laughs> no i i've really not been like a nervous wreck except for that night because i'm like oh my wait i i thought we would have the opening match and we would be you know i got buff I'm like this dude's been on tv you know <laughs> what the hell you know but yeah i mean and, and it went smoothly i didn't i didn't blow the spot and you know everything went smoothly
0: that is awesome well you know what i've got, I got there's so much more we got to discuss and talk oh, about yes. but i know i'm going to be coming to your show too that's right in a <laughs>
1: few weeks you're going to be coming down to the pvd cast down like we're like we're countries or, or states or whatnot
0: technically <laughs> it's like going to the right i guess you would say. <laughs> <laughs> kind of yeah chris it's i think you're coming to the right. pvd cast in a yes, couple of weeks so coming to the pvd to cast and of course i'm going to bring you on to the weekly show eventually just to sit down and have a laugh with me and a bunch of the guys Sure, man. Most definitely, you know, but, uh, there's going to be more, but I've got to, I've got to cut it off here because if we do it all now I can never have you back (laughs) and we'll have nothing to talk about on your show. (laughs) There you go. Smart
1: idea, Chris. I like it. Smart idea.
0: So why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find your show and what you got coming up next.
1: Yeah, you got it. Um, the PVD cast can be found at PVDcast.com, which is the home of yours truly on the internet But it's also available through all those major podcasting platforms. I mean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher Radio, um, uh, iHeartRadio app, you know, on and on and on. Uh, I always tell people, just pick your favorite podcast platform, search for PVDCast. Sometimes you have to put my name John Orlando after it, and you should be able to find it. Um, You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at PVDCast. And as a matter of fact, I just recently started doing some watch parties with um, some of the episodes of the PVD cast right there on the Facebook page. So uh, keep your eye out for when uh, the next one of those is going to be. Um, you can find me on Twitter. My personal Twitter handle is at PVD MVP. And um, you can also check out Matt talk if you like, if you're a fan of Matlock or maybe Maybe you're grand- I don't know. Um, <laughs> you, can fi- you can find that at anchor.fm slash Matt Talk, M-A-T-T-A-L-K. It's also available through all those other major podcasting platforms or visit the uh, Facebook page, which is Matt at Matt Talk podcast. So
0: Matt at Matt Talk.
1: At Matt Talk podcast. Okay.
0: <laughs> the way you did that was Matt at Matt. <laughs> uh, I'm good for one botch. There you go. There you go. Well, you know, I've, I, I you could put a drinking game to how many times I screw up on my own show. <laughs> and of course, guys, if you enjoyed this episode in any capacity, make sure you hit that thumbs up button, like share, comment, subscribe for our audio only listeners. Find Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. Of course, check out the weekly show released every Tuesday. We just released one. Uh, Yesterday morning, uh, episode three, what the hell did I call that? Oh, yeah, bison lipstick. You guys will want to know what that's all about. Check it out. And until then, guys, I will catch you on the next Breaking the Fourth Wall. Have a good night.